Welcome to the Soto Health and Wellness Podcast. We are the Soto Brothers. I am Samuel Soto, doctor of physical therapy. And I am Joseph Soto, a physician. Together, we are board-certified medical providers who specialize in internal medicine and physical therapy. Our mission is to promote longevity, health span, and wellness in order to prevent illness and injury so we can optimize the human experience. Any information on diseases and treatments available at this channel is intended for general guidance only and must never be considered a substitute for advice provided by a doctor or other qualified healthcare professional. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare professional with questions you may have regarding your medical condition. All right, hello and welcome to our channel, the Soto Health and Wellness channel. Today we are going to be talking about low back pain. I am with my brother here, Joseph Soto, and he is a medical doctor. So this is going to be a unique perspective on low back pain from a physical therapist and medical doctor perspective. So Joe, let's talk about low back pain. What has been your experience as a medical doctor with managing and treating or you know, referring out for patients who have low back pain? And how often do you see it in your clinic? Yeah, so um, I see a lot of back pain. This is something very, very common in my practice. It's um, one of those chief complaints that's very common in our society in the U.S. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but there's a huge percentage of people who go see their PCP for back pain. And my personal experience has been that most of the time we don't know what we're doing. Uh, most of the time we think we, we, we think we know that it's back pain, but it actually isn't back pain. It's actually something else that's related to or close to the back. And I'm sure you'll, you'll talk more about that as we go on. But yeah, my experience has been really uh, frustration, not knowing exactly what I'm looking for, uh, not knowing what, how to treat potential back pain, not knowing what to order. You know, do I need imaging? Do I refer to surgeon? So basically, it's, it's, it's one of those things that we don't get a lot of training in, especially in medical school and residency. Um, especially if, if you don't go into a specific pain management field. And uh, honestly, we kind of wing it, if I'm being quite honest with you. Yeah, so what, what actual training did you get in medical school as a, as a primary care physician for the management of low back pain? Not much. So um, I, I would say it's similar to nutrition. I would say not as bad as nutrition, but... Um, it's down it's it's up there with 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 nutrition exercise uh medical school from what i remember you know we got some basic anatomy classes on the back the spine um you know maybe in your third year rotation if you if you did an outpatient internal medicine rotation you would you would they would teach you about oh well, this is what you look for for back pain uh residency you know inpatient the, the back pain that we would see would not be your typical outpatient back pain, but the, the short answer is not much, not much training. Yeah. So why, why do you think that most people, you know, most patients go to see their medical doctor first before seeing anybody else like a physical therapist or maybe acupuncture, chiropractor, um, massage therapy, you know, there's so many different providers that, can manage low back pain. Why do you think that here in our country, as a patient who is experiencing low back pain, why would they go to their primary care doctor first? 
Well, I think there's a couple of answers or reasons behind that. I think one is this, there's a common misconception that for some reason, people believe that back pain automatically equals imaging. They think that they should, they should get an x-ray or MRI or something invasive. So I think that's the first thing. I can't speak for other countries, but I know that in the U.S., that's a very common thing. People, from my experience, they... They have an expectation of getting. They're leaving. They want to leave the office with an imaging study, and I think that's why they they see the MD first. Then the second reason is because of the way insurance is modeled in this country. Um, I, I I believe that you can't see a PT directly without seeing a a, a physician in certain states. Um, I think in New York. It's, it's, it's not as well, it is actually more strict than other states, but you, you need to see, you need a referral from a, from an MD. So, which honestly is unfortunate and I'm sure we'll talk about, um, I, I believe that most that people, if you have back pain, most of the time you can actually go straight to a physical therapist. You don't, you don't need to see an MD. Um, you know, we'll talk more about some of the things we, that we don't want to miss, obviously, but yeah, I think it's a culture. It's the culture that we're in. The, the U.S. is very uh, high-cost uh, medical culture where we do things that are very expensive and that at the end of the day don't change management. And people, they just assume. They just assume that my back is hurting and if I get an MRI, it's going to solve the problem. I think that's what it is. Yeah, so let's talk about imaging um, and direct access laws. So I'm not sure what your stance is on uh, on how patients can see a physical therapist without a referral or do they need a referral? I, that wasn't clear to me what, what your stance was on that. Oh, do you mean my personal opinion? or No, what, like, uh, like what you actually know about it. Okay, like, so from my experience, if, I, if I, a patient comes to my clinic and says, I have back pain and I do my evaluation and I say, you know what? This requires a physical therapist. I have to refer them to physical therapy. I have to give them a referral. Yeah. So that that's that's my experience for me. I, I don't know what the law says. Um, I don't think I've ever had a patient who had already seen a PT for back pain before seeing me. But again, like I said, I don't think it should be that way. Um, we'll talk more about that as, as we continue. But yeah, that's my experience. Yeah, so a lot of people don't know that. And I mentioned this in one of our first, I think the first podcast we ever did on who we are. So the Association for Physical Therapy is called the APTA, right? So direct access basically means that you can see a physical therapist without a referral, without a prescription by a medical doctor. You can see them for 10 visits or 30 days of treatment, whichever comes first. So there are restrictions in different states, um, but we are working towards, you know, lobbying and legislation, working on making it easier for a patient to get treated as soon as possible without having to go through twists and turns, being sent to different providers, getting lost oh, yeah. in the middle of the healthcare field, you know, Oh yeah. making it very simple for them to go see a PT, get treated and feel better. Hopefully. Um, but yeah, direct access restrictions do cause unnecessary delays for people who would benefit from treatment by a PT. 
And delays in care result in higher costs, decreased function outcomes, and honestly frustration by patients seeking PT treatment. Right? It's frustrating to be oh, sent yeah. from here to there and there to here without knowing like what's going on. So yeah, there you know, there are there are restrictions in different states. Like New York State does not allow a patient to see a PT who has not been practicing for at least three years. So I've been practicing for about a year and a half. So technically, I, I can't see a patient direct access. If I was in a different state, I could be, I would be able to. You know, it just depends on the state. And I'll, I'll put a picture on the video on uh, which states have more restrictions than others. But ultimately, you know, knowing that as a patient is really important because you can always call the office and say, hey, is there anybody there who has at least three years of experience? that I can see without going to my primary care doctor or an orthopedist. Because in reality, guys, physical therapists are at the top with orthopedic surgeons when it comes to diagnosing musculoskeletal conditions. What do I mean by musculoskeletal? I mean muscles, tendons, ligaments, you know, nerves. So rotator cuff tears, herniated discs in your spine, in your neck, in your lower back, meniscal tears, ankle sprains, Achilles tears. Um, you know, non-specific low back pain, uh, even jaw pain. Like there's so many joints in the body that, that we're trained to treat. Um, so I think knowing, I think educating the, the population on direct access laws will save the country a lot of money, will save patients a lot of time and unnecessary misery and pain. So yeah, and um, I think direct access is great and it's something that's continuing to to grow in our country. So I do want to talk about imaging. You mentioned imaging and how it's, I think imaging is 99% of the time completely unnecessary because when I evaluate and treat a patient, there's been so many times when I get a prescription from a, from a doctor and it says one thing and I evaluate them and, and I do my thorough subjective in my, in, in my interview with the patient and I assess their body head to toe and I do all the evaluation and I come to a conclusion of what my diagnosis is. And then I sit there scratching my head like, why did this person, why did this doctor write sciatica? Why do they write sciatica? Or why do they write plantar fasciitis? <laughs> and those are the only two diagnoses I feel like they were trained in school because there are so many other diagnoses. I'm taking notes, Sam. I'm taking notes. You we better take notes. There are yeah. so many diagnoses in the book when it comes to low back pain. And I can list them if you want, but I don't want to bore the, the listener. There are so many diagnoses, pathomechanical diagnosis, movement dysfunctions, pathonatomical diagnosis. It's not just sciatica. What is sciatica, first of all? Sciatica. When you think sciatica, what do you think? You think, oh my God, I have sciatica. My back hurts. Sciatic, the sciatic nerve is a nerve that originates in your lumbar plexus, your lumbosacral plexus, that is your lower back and your sacrum. There are nerves that exit through around the pelvic area and they go and they innervate your leg. There, It's a nerve that innervates your leg that allows your leg to move and feel sensation, allows you to walk, it allows you to get up from a chair, allows you to bend down, allows you to move. Sciatic gut is just an umbrella term for I don't know what I'm diagnosing right now. So I'm just gonna call it sciatica. Yeah, that's that's true. Sam, before you continue, I wanna I wanna talk about a couple of points that you made. I actually wrote them down. 
So that that is so true about the plantar fasciitis and the sciatica. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen colleagues. They they have the same three diagnoses in their toolkit. It's either sciatica, it's either muscle strain, or you know arthritis or or, or some something that they just pull out of out of you know where and. I, I, I just don't, you know, there's no like, like thought behind that. Yeah, I know. Process behind that. There's no physical exam. Because they don't it's know just, how to do it. They don't know how to do the physical yeah, exam. That's that, so, yeah, that's true. And we're yeah. talking about direct access. And, and, and if anything, I already said, I don't need a, I don't need a prescription from a, from a, from a doctor yeah. to diagnose and treat a patient. And if anything, and getting that prescription that's 99% of the time wrong just confuses me even more. Yeah. It just makes, and, and, and it, you know what? And it confuses the patient. Who reads a prescription and was told, oh, I have sciatica. Oh, I have lumbar instability. Do you know what okay. that does to a patient? It's just, it's, it's not good. Them. When a patient hears, I have lumbar instability, my back's unstable. You start to get these fear avoidance behaviors. Oh, I shouldn't bend down. I shouldn't squat. Yeah. I shouldn't deadlift because my doctor said I have lumbar instability and I have a slipped disc. Oh, Sam, we got to talk about a couple of things because now now we're opening up a can of worms here. So for the for the for the listener, um, if please do not please do not take your physician's advice when it when it comes in terms of when to return to work, when to how long to not be active for, like how many days you should be. We, they don't know what they're talking about. I'm I'm telling you right now, as a as a as an internist, right? Where what an internist is really good at is exactly what the word says: internal medicine. We're experts in diagnosing diseases, pathology, organs, disease processes. We're terrible at musculoskeletal complaints. Like we're really bad. And so I, I just to back up for a second, Sam, we, we need to talk about this direct access because I didn't even know that this was a thing. Um, yeah. I had no idea that with three years of experience, you do, you do not have to see a PCP. Um, for, for yeah. you know, in New York, we're talking about in specifically York. in New York. So you know, I'm actually gonna start implementing this because this, this would revolutionize healthcare, and I'll tell you why. Number one, you 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 brought it up already. It's the cost. So, in the United States of America, there are two primary drivers of cost. Okay, that are really really taxing the healthcare system. One is drug prices, but the second is imaging. And what is the main driver of imaging? It's back pain. Back pain accounts for a huge percentage of MRIs, CAT scans, and x-rays in this country. So when we think about this from a cost perspective and taxpayer dollars and insurance companies, that alone would, it would just decrease the cost like crazy. So that, that has to be spoken more about i mean yeah again i've never that that was that was actually never told to me in, in my training um i think that would change things a lot that need that needs to be something that all providers should be aware of um yeah and again going back to the to the physical exam you know unless you brought brought it bring it upon yourself to learn the maneuvers you know how to how to treat knee pain you know or diagnose common things we, we 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 get barely any training in residency. In fact, yeah. we we barely get outpatient training in residency as it is. Our training is mainly geared towards the hospital, right? It's a sick care model that is geared towards uh, patching symptoms and putting band aids on things. We don't learn anything about prevention, 
nutrition, exercise physiology, and let alone mechanical skeletal complaints. Yeah, so, and I just want to make a clear point that we're, t- we're talking about an internist. We're talking about a primary care doctor. We're not talking about orthopedic surgeons. We're not talking about orthopedists. Oh, we're not talking about sports medicine doctors yeah. who have residents, you know, a residency in sports medicine. And we're talking about your, your typical primary care doctor that you would go to when you have low back pain. Mm-hmm. So I just want to make that clear. And, but, and keep in mind, keep in mind, Sam, that in the U.S. there are eight hundred and around eight hundred fifty thousand doctors, but twenty percent are PCPs. So that means that most doctors are PCPs. So yeah. most most doctors are seeing back pain, and most doctors don't know what they're doing when it comes to, in terms of back pain. Imagine how much money is being wasted on this every year. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna. Um, one up this as well and, and say that even orthopedic surgeons don't know as much as physical therapists when it comes to evaluating, assessing, and treating musculoskeletal conditions holistically without the use of EMGs, without the use of nerve testing, without the use of MRIs, x-rays, imaging, and and coming to a conclusion of what exactly is the root cause of the problem. I'm not saying orthopedic surgeon can't tell you you have hip osteoarthritis, even without an MRI or, or an x-ray. I'm not saying an orthopedic surgeon can't say, you know, you have a meniscal injury, you have a rotator cuff tear. But what I'm saying is an orthopedic surgeon will not tell you that you have a an L5 herniated disc because you have hypomobile hips and deflection when you bend down. And it's because also you have poor motor control of your transverse abdominis and your core muscles yeah. based on a functional movement screen that a trained, skilled physical therapist with a trained eye, can assess for. That is the root cause of the problem. To every pathonotomical issue, pathonotomical meaning that sciatica or the herniated quote-unquote slip disc, for every of those anatomical issues that medical doctors, surgeons diagnose, there's a reason why you have that. There's a mechanical dysfunction going on. There's a repetitive movement pattern that you've been doing all your life there are movement strategies that you've adopted. There are compensations and muscular imbalances. There are motor control issues. There are stability issues. There are strength issues that you have that have led you to have that L5-S1 slip disc, that L5-S1 sciatica, if you want to call it that. And I'm being sarcastic because those, those, those two things aren't even diagnosis. But that's, you see what I'm saying, Joe? Yeah. Yeah. This, 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 you know what, Sam? You know, physically, this is... Do you want to know why I like physical therapy so much? It's because physical therapy is it, it, it is preventative medicine. It, it is, is. That's what it is. Why am I saying this? Well, when you think about the, the field of physical therapy, it's, it's a field that they, it, it's so cost effective because by, it's, by design, physical therapists, they're not ordering imaging tests. They're not... Mm-hmm. They're not injecting things. They're not prescribing things. They're using their hands and their minds yeah. to diagnose a problem. So when, when in terms of prevention and holistic approach, I mean, this is top, 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 of, the, top of the gun. Yeah. This, this is, I mean, you, you, when you talk about longevity, prevention, holistic approach, which is what we're all about here on this channel, physical therapy has to be part of that. It has like, to be at the it top. It has to be part of that. Yes, and the problem is, um, so if you think of a pyramid, the pyramid, the pyramid model in this country, when it comes to managing low back pain, imagine a pyramid, 
Physical therapy is at the bottom of the pyramid. It is at the bottom of the pyramid. What is at the top of the pyramid? Surgeries, injections, medications, big pharma. That is at the top of the pyramid. That makes the most money. That is the thing that's done the most. And below that, you have, you know, other types of treatments, and alternative medicines. And physical therapy is somewhere on the bottom of that pyramid. And guys, we have to flip the pyramid. Not only for yep. the betterment of the patients and, and outcomes and getting their low back pain under control and, and, and gone. So they can return back to what they love to do. You know, return back to work, return back to sport, return back to life. We have to flip that pyramid. And that's going to help the cost, the healthcare costs as well. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take pressure off of medical doctors who can focus mm-hmm. more on other things yeah. like kidney diseases and cholesterol and heart health and liver function and longevity. You know, it'll take pressure off and the burden off of other doctors as well. So, guys, we got to flip the pyramid. So help yeah, us flip the pyramid I- by liking this video. Subscribe to our channel. It will Please help subscribe. send the message across. Follow us on YouTube. But um, yeah, so let's we talked about imaging, right? Yeah. yeah, I don't really need imaging. I don't need, you know, I'm not here to sound cocky or or, or 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 anything. But in reality, we don't use imaging in physical therapy school. We're not te- we're not really tested on that. We're not given a case or a patient that's in front of us and, and shown an x-ray image. We get a patient in front of us. An, Im- an image is what it, what it is. It's an image. That's like going to the to the MoMA and looking at a painting of, of Van Gogh and 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 thinking, oh, you know, and, and thinking that you know everything about Van Gogh and his life because you're looking at the Starry Starry Night and everything you will need is in that Starry Starry Night. Yep. And, and and now I can make conclusions based on Van Gogh and, and his, his intellect and, and how he is as a person and his personality. No. Like we have a patient in front of you. I don't need an, 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 an X-ray or or an MRI of their lumbar spine to diagnose and treat them. I don't need that. Out of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of patients I've treated so far, I've only told the patient to get an MRI like two times. And why is that? Because, Joe, let's talk a little bit about red flags, right? Yeah. Sometimes low back pain isn't always caused by the low back. Sometimes it could be you know, you know, abdominal aortic aneurysm. It could be pyelonephritis of the kidney. It could be ovaries. It could be your prostate. It could be... Yeah. You know, what else can it be? Yeah. So this is this is where I would say that this would be my only argument for seeing an MD for back pain would be for the following reasons. So what am, what am I trying to say with this? So basically, there's two things. One is the vast majority of back pain is mechanical. Now, what that what that means, it's it's related to the muscles around the back, whether that's the hips. Sam will get into that. Uh, the ligaments, the, the the vertebra, right? It's muscular, me- mechanical, mechanical. That's how I like to, to name it. But there is a very, very, very small percentage of cases that are non-mechanical. And I basically divide these up into two broad categories. One is visceral. The other is malignancy. And visceral is what Sam was just saying. There are some certain organ diseases that can cause back pain. So some of the main ones that we cannot miss are kidney disease. So a kidney stone is the classic one that can cause back pain, a kidney infection, uh, prostate issue, prostate, prostatitis, inflammation of the prostate, um, 
even pancreatitis, inflammation of your pancreas can cause back pain. If you have an infection of your back, that can cause back pain. Um, cancer can cause back pain. So the classic yeah. one is multiple myeloma. Yeah. Uh, lymphoma, leukemia. Again, yeah. I don't want to scare anyone out there. So if someone's listening to this with back pain, uh, this is I'm not making a diagnosis here. You obviously have to talk with your physician, but or physical the therapist. I, yeah, or physical therapist. But what I'm saying here is, you have to understand that most cases of back pain are not serious. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll backtrack that. Not that it's not serious. It is serious for the patient. It's not life threatening. Yeah, I know you meant. Is what I'm trying to explain. So, but as as you know, if you can rule out organ organ issues, malignancy, which is very rare, honestly. Um, I forgot, but also uh, abdominal aortic dissection can present as back pain. Yep. So basically, once all that has been ruled out, then we're back into that mechanical section, and at that point. You really don't need an MD. That's when I think most patients should be should just go see a PT right off the bat. Yeah. But it's tricky because you know that initial that initial evaluation. Like if you miss that, if you miss, let's say aortic dissection. I mean that that's life threatening. I mean you can't miss that. Um, yeah. But luckily th- these things they they're very obvious. Like you, I mean you don't have to even a medical student could, would would know that. I yeah. mean, they would have, if, for example, a fever would present with an infection, weight loss, you know, history of cancer, you know, neurological deficits, like yeah. leg weakness, that stuff. Yeah, it'll be yeah. obvious. And luckily, you know, most of the time it's not that, guys. Like Joe said, it's not that. It's the, yeah. the mechanical low back pain, you know, due to lifting injury or traumatic injury or repetitive stress injury or things like that. So... Yeah, I, I think when it comes to when it comes to um, imaging, like I said, I don't really need it. Um, I've rarely told the patient to go get an imaging, and in those situations, they just were not getting better with traditional PT, and you know we needed more information. And I'm not here to to demonize other fields. I'm not here to say medical doctors and 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 orthopedic surgeons do not have a role in managing low back pain. But what I'm just saying is that. Most of the time, we don't need imaging. And imaging leads to unnecessary medical costs, leads to unnecessary pain catastrophizing by patients. Because what do those what do those words even mean? C5, C6, C7, C8, herniated disc, nerve root, foraminal you know, stenosis, impinging on the uh, abutment of the spinal cord. Like, do you think patients really want to hear that? Do you know, do you know how important it, it is when it comes to how you know how words affect their brain? And the problem with la- the language that we use in the healthcare is that language harms and language creates fear avoidance behaviors. Telling your patients things like, um, you know, your, your back is unstable. Your pelvis is out of alignment. <laughs> like a you car. have a slipped disc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you like have a slipped you're, disc. You're, you're, your tire's out of alignment. <laughs> yeah. You're, 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 you have pain because of bad posture. What do you think they're mm-hmm. going to do when they leave the, the, the doctor's office? They're going to walk like a military person like this with the chin back, with the yeah. shoulders back. You think that's functional? It's not. It makes no sense why posture would cause... We're going to talk about posture later on in a few minutes, but it, it just makes no sense. We have to be careful with the words that we tell our patients. We have to be careful with the imaging studies that we request. 
Yeah. We have to be careful with giving meloxicam and giving NSAIDs that damage your stomach and your kidneys. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. guys, most of the time, if a patient does, you know, when they do go to see their primary care doctor for low back pain, it, w it would be negligence not to, not to treat them, right? And if that doctor doesn't know the benefits of PT, what are they going to do? They're going to give meloxicam. They're going to give a steroid. Mm -hmm. And what is that going to yeah. cause for their system? Okay, I feel better. Yay, I feel better. I'm on prednisone for yeah. 10 days. I feel great. No back pain. But now I, my immune system is compromised. And guess what? What happens two months later when I go bend down and pick up a pencil because they didn't address my root cause, my movement dysfunctions that a physical therapist can treat? What's going to happen when they pick up that pencil? Is that prednisone going to help them pick it up? No. What's going to happen when they get unnecessary injections? Is that going to treat their movement dysfunctions? It's not. No. We have, we Sam, have to do better, man. Come on. We got to yeah, do better. Yeah, but Sam, everything you're saying is, is just, is just I mean, 100% correct. We, people, have, people have to understand something. Our medical system in this country is geared towards making money. It is not geared towards preventing disease, and it is definitely not geared towards functionality and thriving and optimization of health, which is what we do here at our channel. We're all about prevention, wellness, and optimization. So I'm not surprised. This is not surprising at all, Sam. This, this is just one other you know, sim symptom in the healthcare system. It, it, none of this none of this surprises me i mean why why would the healthcare system want to prevent back pain if they can just order a, a, a expensive mri an expensive injection go through a surgery that won't change outcomes why they, they're not going to make any money the, you have to understand that the money is in the in the treatments it's not in the prevention so yeah people they really have to understand that and I, i'm not just saying this because this is what i believe no i'm gonna give you guys actual facts and let's actually let's start talking about some of the studies that i found so and this will all be linked in the description so you guys can check this out for yourself but okay let's talk about imaging so yeah, imaging imaging right what what imaging modalities do we have out there for back pain what are the typical ones okay x-rays cat scan and mri those three, those are the main imaging modalities that we have available. Now, the question is, who do we send to, who do we send to get an image? Is it everyone that walks through the door? Is it a certain percentage of people? Does it change management? Let's let's start answering these questions. So, only 5% of people actually need imaging. You heard that? 5% out of out of so basically 95% of people will never need imaging this is based out of systemic meta analyses and and trials that were conducted throughout the last couple of years um you there really is only one indication for an mri actually two one is that if you're suspecting an infection of the spine whether that's an epidural abscess uh, osteomyelitis then yes an mri is absolutely the most sensitive test that you can get yeah, I mean, if you don't get an MRI in that situation, then, I mean, then you missed you missed it. The second one would be if you have something called Cotaquina syndrome, which is, it's a neurological emergency, and you cannot miss this one. This happens when you have weakness in your legs, numbness around the, the groin area, uh, urinary retention, bowel changes. 
you know, you're not gonna you're, you're not gonna miss this one. Those are the only only times that you actually need an MRI. Everything else, you do not need imaging. Um, and what what does the research show? So this was actually studied, and there's a couple things that I found. And one of the things that I found interesting was that earlier use of imaging for low back pain without associated symptoms is not associated with improved outcomes, but increases the use of invasive procedures and likely healthcare costs. So just what we were talking yeah. about earlier. Yeah. A 2009 systemic review and meta-analysis. So this, this, what this means is that they take a bunch of studies and they analyze everything of six trials. They compared immediate imaging, and in this case, it was lumbosacral spinal MRI, CAT scan, and, and X-ray for with usual care for patients with acute and subacute back pain, found no differences in short-term or long-term outcomes. So what that study found was that getting an imaging study right away for back pain does not change management. So... That's that's a pretty impressive study right there. Yeah, it is, and um, and I I just I I'll, I think all it does is make patients catastrophize and worry them more and create fear and create fear that you know they have damage, and that that damage is is imparable that you can't re you can't repair it, you know, because there's a tear there, there's a there's a quote unquote slip disc. Guys, your discs can't slip. Your discs, like, I'm going to show you the model here for those watching the video. You don't, you guys don't understand how strong your back is, how strong these ligaments are. I'm just showing you the spine, but there are ligaments and muscles that are tightening up here. They're, the core, the, the ligaments, the bones, the, the discs are, are fibrocartilage. It's a very, very strong cartilage. For your disc to slip... You'd have to be in a severe, severe car accident with a lot of trauma, like a fall off a ladder or something. But guys, you know, repetitive behavior or bending down injury, a deadlift injury or, you know, an injury where you're playing sports or anything like that, you're not going to slip your disc. So I think mm -hmm. we need to stop with these words and stop with the imaging because it, it, it is really there's a time and a place for it. But most of the time, it's not the right time for it. Yeah. So, and yeah, if you do, if you take an MRI of a hundred healthy individuals without any low back pain, right? Let's say you do an MRI uh, to, to the lumbar spine, right? So we have the cervical spine on the top. We have the thoracic spine in the middle. When we're talking about low back, we're talking about the lumbar spine. The most common area of injury for the lumbar spine is L4, L5 and L5, S1. Right, you can see it here, L4, L5, L5, S1 in this area here. It's the most common area of dysfunction. So if you take, if you do a lumbar MRI of 100 individuals without any pain, and 100 individuals with pain, the MRI does not correlate with pain. Mm -hmm. You can't look at an MRI and say, oh, that person has pain, but that MRI could show a herniated disc, it could show spinal stenosis, it could show, you know, it could show um, a fracture, it could show, it could show anything you want. But it does not mean that that person has pain. And it is a poor determinant, determinant of pain, actually. It's, it's not good.
it's yeah. not a it's not a good outcome of, of an assessment of pain. The best assessment yeah. of pain is literally listening to your patient that you have in front of you. Because pain Sam, is an experience. Yeah. It's complex. Yeah. And the now way that, we need to treat low yeah. back pain is spile psychosocial, treating the biology, treating the cognitive, right? Patients' beliefs. What are the patients' beliefs about their back? The psychology behind it. What are the socioeconomic factors behind it? What are they exercising? Are they movement? What are their fear avoidance processes and beliefs? Right? Those are the things we have to look at, not on the MRI. So that's a good point you made. I think we, we, we have to focus. We, we should, I'm gonna, I have more studies that I want to talk about the imaging because we, we have to drill this down. Um, people, they're under the impression that getting an imaging test is as if they just won. Oh, yeah, I'm getting an MRI. Now that's going to show what I have. That's, that's mm-hmm. the attitude that people have. That's their understanding. They, they, they associate imaging with an answer. But that's why they need to understand. People need to understand these studies that we're talking about. They need to understand that imaging studies, most of the time, do not change management. They do not change management. Most of the time, you do not need an MRI. You do not need an X-ray. Now, let me let me read you some more studies. So they did a cohort a cohort study with over four hundred thousand veteran affair patients with nonspecific low back pain and no concerning features for malignancy or infection. And they did imaging with lumbar MRI within six weeks of initial presentation. And guess what? That was associated with a greater likelihood of back surgery, treatment with opioids, and greater costs at one year. Mm-hmm. So and let me read you another, another study. Uh, in patients above 65 years old with back pain without radiculopathy, there were no differences in disability at one year for patients who received early imaging within six weeks of the index visit compared with those who did not. So, again, I mean, most of the studies are showing that imaging is not useful. It does not change management. Uh, it's driving, like I said in the beginning, the cost of healthcare in this country is mainly drugs and, and, and imaging unnecessary imaging and injections and and we'll get into injections in just a sec but injections and surgeries and surgical complications and look if you're a surgeon out there listening to this i'm i'm not saying i'm not here saying that surgery doesn't work i'm not you know obviously surgeons are great amazing people we need surgeons but you can't the the facts are the facts i mean these are meta-analyses these are this is this is data we're talking about and I think most surgeons would agree with this, that you, like most surgeries, are they really necessary? Like, do they change management? I the mean, answer is no. Do you know how many times, Joseph, I've gotten patient after a surgery, after a lumbar discectomy, where they take a piece of the disc, after a spinal stenosis surgery or a laminectomy, where they take a piece of the bone now so that the nerve can quote unquote breathe? You know how many times I've seen patients after a surgery with the same pain that they had before they went into the surgery? All the time. I mean, the, it, time. The, 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 the outcomes of surgery for lower back are terrible. 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 And then you, yes. all you get is scar tissue and, and you're going to end up going to physical therapy anyways to yeah, rehab from the exactly. surgery. So why not just go see a physical therapist off the bat? Exactly. We need People more advocacy. We need more advocacy. I think the problem here is, is and I have more studies to, to read you guys, but I think the problem really here is Lack of lack of an understanding and lack of 
really a lack of knowledge that physical therapy is is just is so it's so underused. Again, in my experience, working with other doctors during my training and, and even out in practice, we barely refer to physical therapy. Like I I personally refer everyone to physical therapy, whether you have knee pain, back pain, shoulder pain, ankle pain, whatever it is, I refer to physical therapy. I, I'm at a point where I don't even send anyone to surgery anymore because again, I'm not, I'm not here saying surgeons are bad people or they're out to just, you know, perform unnecessary surgeries. Most of the time, they're not even aware of this. And you know, a surgeon, there's, there's a, there's a, uh, a saying that says, if you're a hammer, all you see is a nail. Right. If you're a surgeon, all you see is a surgery. Like you're not thinking this way. This is why it's so important that we need more primary care doctors, more physical therapists working together, because that is really what will decrease the cost in this country and will prevent things from happening. We need to get to the root cause of what's happening. And that's through physical therapy, through movement, this movements, uh, you know, function and, and stuff like that. Let me, let me, Sam, we have to talk about <clears throat> imaging more because. Yeah. We may have to do need, a separate need... podcast on imaging and, 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 you know, do all the studies and really dive deep into imaging because it's a lot. The thing is people, they really don't, don't, don't understand this and it's not their fault. Yeah. So let, let me, let me read you guys this. This is going to blow your minds. So imaging exams often show abnormal findings in adults without back pain, without back pain. Mm -hmm. which makes it difficult to determine which imaging findings are clinically significant. Right. As an example, disc herniations on MRI are seen in 20, 22 to 67% of asymptomatic adults. Let me read that again. Disc herniations on MRI are seen in 22 to 67% of asymptomatic adults. We're talking about almost three out of four people who have no symptoms whatsoever if they get an MRI, there's going to be a, a disc herniation. Joseph, if you do an MRI of my lumbar spine right now, you'll see a herniated disc. You'll see you'll see probably changes in my left SI joint from the injuries yeah. I've had in the past. But I'm about to run a half marathon in four weeks. Yeah. And I have so, no back pain. And, and and again, this is because these are static images. Like Sam was saying, these are images in, in, yes. in, in snapshots. It's a snapshot of what your spine looks like at the moment. And at rest. Yeah, at rest. And, and as if this wasn't bad enough, it's, it wasn't just for disc herniations. We also saw, they also saw it for spinal stenosis. Um, you know, osteoarthritis is also often seen on imaging, but correlates poorly with symptoms. Um, in a study of 188 individuals, eight, 40 to 80 years old, 60% of males, 67% of females had facet joint osteoarthritic changes on lumbar CT scans. And there was no correlation with back pain. There's a normal, normal changes with age. That's another thing people don't understand. You know, people above the age of 65 and older, if you do an MRI because they have pain, what are you going to see? You're going to see degenerative disc disease, DDD. Mm -hmm. But guess what? If you, take, if you take that, you know, if you go to Africa or you go to Middle East or you go to Canada, you go to any country where... You know, people that age group, you want to go to the blue zones, go wherever you want. Find somebody with the same age um, and and without any pain, without any pain, and do the same exact MRI imaging, and you're going to see the same thing. You're probably yeah. going to see degenerative disc disease. Doesn't mean you have to have pain. 
There we go. It doesn't mean you have to have pain. There are normal changes when it comes to aging. Yeah, your yep. discs become, you know, you have disc changes. You have changes in your height because of that. You know, that's, there's our, you know, joint narrowing or arthritis, if you want to call it that. It doesn't mean you have to have pain. And just but, because you find something on imaging doesn't mean you have to treat it. But Sam, do you know how many times I've seen providers refer to orthopedic surgeons, spine surgeons, because they found an incidental finding on an x-ray or an MRI? Yeah. You know oh my how God. many times I've seen that? Oh, so many. I mean, I absolutely know. ridiculous. I mean, they this is this needs to be investigated and evaluated. Yeah. We'll do and, a future one on, on injections. I mean, on uh, imaging for sure. But this 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 is kind of as an aside. But this is not just for lumbar spine. This is for everything. We oh we, yeah everything. We're over 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 imaging lungs. We're over imaging like abdomens. Everything. This is not just in lumbar spine. We're basically sending way too many imaging studies um, and they don't really change management. Let me read you one more thing about imaging and then we should probably move on to injections and surgeries and stuff like that. This one is equally as crazy. So even when the radiographic findings are consistent with the clinical presentation, the magnitude of radiographic findings does not necessarily correlate with clinical severity and outcome and clinical improvement may not correlate with resolution of the radiographic defect. So what, is, what, do, what does this mean? Exactly what Sam was saying, is that you may have a disc herniation, but that doesn't really correlate with your symptoms. Or, or even if the imaging study changes a year from now, that doesn't, that doesn't tell us anything about how your symptoms are doing. So it, it, this, is just, this is just absolutely crazy. Um, the evidence is out there. And... More, more people need to understand this. Providers, patients. If you're a patient listening to this, I mean, this is this is proof that you, sh- you probably shouldn't be getting an imaging test. Um, it's not going to change your management. You're, it's going to be you're going to pay it more out of pocket. It's going to cause unnecessary anxiety and and confusion. You're probably going to be sent to a surgeon who most likely will do some sort of procedure. And, and and this is where we're at. And and where's physical therapy and all this? Nowhere to be found. The bottom because, of the pyramid. Yep, because no one no one ever referred to them. They they weren't incorporated in this. Um, so yeah, this is just crazy. And remember, guys, hit the like button and subscribe to our YouTube channel in order so we can help get the word out and help flip the pyramid. We need to flip this pyramid in healthcare. We need PT at the top. And I'm not just saying it because I'm a physical therapist. I'm saying it because the evidence is showing it. The yep. costs, the medical costs are showing it that this is not working. Guys. This is this approach that we have is not working. Yeah, guys. We have an opioid epidemic, wanna... guys. <laughs> we have an opioid yeah. epidemic. People yep. are on opioids every day for their pain and have no idea of the power of physical therapy and other yep. treatments. An opioid yep. epidemic. Yeah. And and hold on. <clears throat> I wanna say this. If you're out there, someone listen to this, please subscribe. Please subscribe because you do not want to miss all these videos that we're making about preventing disease, living longer, and optimizing your health. A lot of doctors, I promise you, do not know this. I promise you. I've worked with many doctors. They do not know this because they don't have the time. They, 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 don't, they don't take the time to learn. So please educate yourself. Please subscribe. Please leave comments, whatever, and we'll try to answer your questions. Um, 
yeah, th- this is this is just crazy, Sam. I mean, this is just I don't yeah. know. Yeah, this is unbelievable. Let's let's talk about injections and then let's talk about posture and then we'll wrap it up. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think I think that's fine. I wanted to. Well, yeah, I guess <clears throat> pharmacology. I can just talk about it real quick, actually, before yeah. that. Um, yeah, medications, injections, real to, quick. To, to, for the listener out there who's suffering from back pain, I think we've already nailed nailed this topic already with imaging. Um, the second thing I want to let you guys know is that if you're having back pain, there are really, I want to say, two at best medications that actually will help your back pain. One are NSAIDs, so ibuprofen, Motrin, naproxen. They're, they're going to they're gonna help you with the pain. They're not going to solve anything for you. Obviously, they come with a ton of side effects. They raise your blood pressure, increase your risk of gastric ulcers. I mean, NSAIDs are no good. But if you need them for a couple of days, fine. Then the other one is, is, is a medication called duloxetine, um, which interestingly is a serotonin norepinephrine, sorry, selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor. So... That's interesting, Sam, because I know you're going to talk about the psycho- psychosocial model of pain, but I found it interesting that an SNRI is being used to treat back pain. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. <clears throat> with, with a mechanism. Yeah. That th- This medication it blocks the pain signal. It blocks norepinephrine in the brain, and yet it helps with back pain. Yeah, yeah right? because pain is complex and pain is an experience and it starts in the brain. It starts with your perception of pain. Because if you take somebody with a phantom limb, think about a phantom limb pain. If you take an amputee without a, without a leg and you and they have an immense amount of pain, did you ever wonder why they have pain and they have no leg? Why do they have pain in their leg if they have no leg? Mm-hmm. It goes yeah. to show that pain is expressed in the brain and it's all perception. I'm not saying pain doesn't exist. It exists, I'm just saying that it comes from the brain and your perception of it. Therefore, it's an experience. And we need to treat with the biopsychosocial model. We need to treat with the cognitive functional therapy model. We need to start implementing these things that Peter O'Sullivan talks about. And I'll link him in the video. Peter O'Sullivan is a physiotherapist out in, uh, I think it's Australia. And he has a model where it integrates patients' beliefs. It integrates the psychology behind pain. It integrates... The physical aspect of it, it integrates coping mechanisms, it integrates um, just everything all together. And that's really, really, I think the best treatment for disabling low back pain is using all these different approaches and, and, and the interplay between them to really address the root cause of the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Sam, before you, because before you, you're going to talk about PT now and how to actually treat this, but what's your take on injections we need because this has to be talked about my okay injections again there's a time and a place for it there's a time and a a, there's a time and a place for injections but most of the time it's it's not the right time most of the time you don't need it you know but you know there are people out there who are suffering and and sometimes you know you have to refer them and and maybe you know it's going to help them just get them over that hump and then you know come back to PT and we'll try these movements when you don't have as much pain that's a rare occasion you know i've had to do that a couple times that's a rare occasion most of the time my my experience with injections is that 
you know, it's going to help. It'll help mask your pain, just like an opioid. You know, you get a cortisone shot to your back. Okay, you don't have any more pain down your leg. You don't have any more radiating symptoms. Your low back pain is gone. Great. I feel great for three months. And then what? You're, okay, let's say you're 60 years old. You're going to live how many more years? Like 30, 40 years maybe? 20 years, 30 years, 40 years? You're going to get a cortisone shot every three months for the rest of your life? You can't do that. So, again, injections, it's it's a temporary fix. It's a Band-Aid. It doesn't address the root cause of the problem. All it does is mask the pain. And and and, and Joe, speak upon the, uh, the side effects of it. You know, cortisone injections, what does it cost to your body? Because in my experience, it causes tissue breakdown. It causes your, mean, your tissues to break down and become weaker. So I can say this. Um, steroids, I mean, I can talk about oral steroids and how terrible they are. Um, I mean, I know that st- there's, a, there's a slight difference between an injectable steroid and an oral steroid. But I can mainly say that as an oral steroids, first of all, there's no evidence that they actually um, treat the long-term back pain. And they, there's so many side effects with these things. Number one is it disrupts your immune system. Number two, it causes weight gain. Number three, it raises your blood sugar. Number four, it causes high blood pressure. Should I keep going? I mean, this is unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, I mean, steroids, there's, like I said, really no role in, in the chronic management of this. Um, if you need a medication, you... You know, I would I would recommend uh, duloxetine as a as a long term one. Uh, and says short term, please no opioids, please I beg you, no opioids for for, for back pain. We 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 we're already in an opioid, just getting out of an epidemic of opioids. So please do not ask your provider for an opioid. Don't even think about that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Injections. yeah, that's all I wanted to say about that. Yeah, and we could do a whole other topic on injections, but that that's the gist of it, guys. It's just masking your pain. Um it's an yeah, it's gonna lower your immune system. It's gonna cause tissue breakdown. Studies have shown it causes tissue breakdown. So yeah, let's uh let's move on to posture to wrap up here. So Joseph, what is your thought on what are the causes of low back pain? Like, you know, let's say you have a, a, a person who, you know, is mostly sedentary during the day and they work at a computer, they have a desk job. You know, they're mostly sitting throughout the day because of their job. You know, that's been associated with low back pain many, many times. And I think people have that belief that poor posture causes low back pain or just mm-hmm. pain in general. So what, what are your thoughts on posture and pain? And then um, tell us about your experience with, with, with posture and pain. So I'm going to be honest with you. Um before I actually delved into this and, and did my research, I actually thought that back pain was due to posture, was due, due to poor posture. I thought that it was because we were sitting too much as a society. Uh, I thought that it was because maybe someone uh, lifted something heavy. I'm being honest with you. That's what I thought was causing back pain. And I learned that actually that's really, I mean, maybe it may be contributing a little bit, but what's actually causing back pain is mm-hmm. you know poor movement movement patterns uh muscle weakness poor flexibility and mobility and not just the back but also the the, the hips you know your 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 the muscles in the pelvic floor 
Uh, yeah. your, your hip flexors. I mean, you taught me all this. I didn't know any of this before. Yeah. Um, your glutes, your glute medius, your glute maximus, all yeah. these things. They So basically, I mean, we have the expert here. So I sh- you know, I'll just do, I'll just explain what I know. But you have your back here, right? This is your lumbar spine, which is the lower, right? Lumbar sacral. It's not just that. I mean, you have to think about everything that's supporting that, right? What are all the muscles? Um, you have your pelvic floor, the glutes, the hip flexors, the, the hamstrings, something that can also cause back pain, weakness, immobility. So that's what's causing back pain, right? So, yeah, I mean, before before I I went to PT school, you know, I thought the same thing. And even during PT school, you know, until until my beliefs were challenged and I saw the studies and I saw my patients and I saw that, you know, how come some people have this these postural deviations? How come some people have scoliosis and don't have any pain? How come some people have a lordotic position where they have an arch in their lower back and have no pain? How come some people have forehead posture and their head is like this completely forward? but they have no pain. Why is that? It's because there's a quote by Morgan Freeman and the quote says that your best posture is your next posture. And surprisingly, Joe, the studies have shown that posture does not equal to pain. Poor posture doesn't really have a great association with pain. Okay? So the problem is prolonged posture, prolonged sitting, prolonged standing, prolonged inactivity, being in one position for too long, that's the problem. Hmm. So you can sit. So for that, for that, for the listener out there who works at a desk job eight to five and is sitting most of the time, you know, sitting in itself is bad. <laughs> okay, it's a new smoking. That's a separate. Uh, it's a separate topic. Cardiovascularly, we're not moving. You know, blood flow circulation. It's not good staring at screens. That's that's beside the point I'm trying to make. But sitting when it, sitting when it comes to just sitting itself. The idea of sitting and posture and pain, it's not the worst thing if you're constantly moving positions. So if you're if you're sitting down like this, right, with your with your head up and your legs are, are flat on the ground, and and then 20 minutes later you put one leg up and you cross your legs for about 20 minutes, and then you cross the other way, and then you sit on the floor, and then you stand and work on the computer. And then you lay on your side and work on the computer. Then you lay on your other side and you go back to sitting and you, and you repeat the process. Rinse and repeat. Hmm. Your best posture is your next posture. A body that's not in motion, a body that's in motion stays in motion, right? It's just like physics. Yeah. If an object is, is, is in one position for too long, it's not good. It's, you're going to hmm. develop something called creep. And our ligaments and muscles have something called creep. So if you guys imagine a pillow... A pillow like is very foamy, right? If you press into it, a brand new pillow. If you press into a brand new pillow, what's going to happen? It's going to spring back up. If you press mm-hmm. into a, a pillow that's old or older, it's going to take much longer for that pillow to rise back to the surface. It's the same mm-hmm. thing. As we age, guys, we become more stiff. So when we age... We have to constantly be moving or else we're going to be very stiff and then have pain. That's what leads to the pain is the lack of movement. When we're younger, 10 years old, 5 years old, we could sit and play video games all day. I used to do it. 
I used to sit in the chair and play video games with poor posture all day. Yeah. I had no pain. Mm-hmm. Right now, doing this podcast, we're about an hour in. My back is starting to hurt. Mm. When I say hurt, I mean it's starting to feel a little stiff, you know, because I'm not, I'm not moving. I need to rearrange my position. I need to cross one leg in order to, for your nervous system to, to, you know, think like, okay, now I'm moving. Stagnation is the worst thing. So yeah, the studies show that the correlation between posture and pain are very, very poor. So just keep moving. You know, I don't think posture is, uh, is a big component when it comes to pain. It's more of the movement dysfunctions, more of, you know, altered, altered, uh, altered movement patterns, it's neuromuscular control, it's stability, it's strength, it's imbalances. There are things, those are the things that a physical therapist can help you with. So thank you all for listening to the Soto Health and Wellness Podcast. If you like this video, like it, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on all platforms when it comes to our podcast and our YouTube. We're going to be posting every single week videos. We're going to be posting on our weekly newsletter. So subscribe to that. Our weekly newsletter coming out every single week on Wednesdays. We're going to be dropping new content every single Wednesday around Wednesday night, 7 p.m. So stay tuned for that. And if you guys want more content like this or have a question or want to be a guest speaker on the Soto Health and Wellness channel and the Soto Health and Wellness podcast, email us at the SotoHWP at gmail.com. The SotoHWP at gmail.com. Be well.